Te lo dije bien clarito. Permanece a la escucha. Permanece a la escucha. 12 de la noche en La Habana, Cuba. 11 de la noche en San Salvador, El Salvador. 11 de la noche en Managua, Nicaragua. Hello, hello, hello. My name's TJ Ami and you're now listening to La Hora. La voz de los latinos en interviews that make a difference. In the hot seat tonight, via Zoom, one of the pioneers representing Latino pop culture and social issues throughout the art world, as well as resident artist at Miss Pixie's Art Boutique down in DC, and El Tamarindo Restaurant, Arlington's very own, the one and only David Amoroso, the face behind Amoroso Art. So without further ado, please welcome the man himself. Here with you, live and direct, David Amoroso. Hello, David, and welcome to Laura. How are you doing today? Wonderful, Emilio. Gracias. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure having you on the show. So tell me about your childhood. What made you get into photography and painting? I think as a kid, I always liked drawing and art, but it probably wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 that I started to take it seriously. And there was something about photography that really, I have to say, captured my, my attention, my full attention. I grew up in one of those rooms with a lot of posters, so I was always looking at them and trying to figure out how was the lighting done? What did they do that made everybody look so great and so iconic? And I think that really prompted me to figure out lighting and pursue photography. So, you know, I started off as a photographer doing a lot of portraits and model portfolios and that I have to say was a really good source of income at the time. I was taking some classes, living on my own, you know, at 18. And it was kind of like good money at the time too, so. Do you still remember what your first camera was? Oh yeah, it was a Canon AE-1 and I loved it because I don't know if I'm clumsy or what, but my camera hits the ground a lot and that camera was just so solid. You know, I, I did get a medium format camera after that, a Mamiya, I think, but honestly the, the 35 millimeter was just so much easier to use. So that was what I stuck with most. Lovely. So what got you interested in wanting to represent the Latino community in the art world? I always try to think about that, like what was that moment? I think there were a lot of moments when I was younger, things that caught my attention, but there was definitely probably a huge change in the mid 90s. I met some people from Venezuela and they invited me to take pictures at an event in Venezuela. Just that whole experience was really awesome, but it still kept me in the line of being a photographer. A few years later, when I had started to learn the language a little bit better, I, I went to Mexico for a summer. Uh, I spent about three months there taking pictures and you know, I came back with so many roles of a film, you know, and it cost a fortune to process it. So that of course is always the downside of photography back then. But, you know, as I was looking at the pictures, I, I feel like I had captured a part of the moment, but I hadn't really captured the feeling. Uh, and I think I'm a pretty good photographer. And so for me, I think that was a sign that I needed something a little bit more creative or something that allowed me to add more to an image. So I, I started painting, you know, my first painting, I think my goal was, I just want to create something like como un recuerdo, you know, like a, a reminder of the trip. But after I painted one painting, uh, it's like all of a sudden there was another and another and another. And you know, before I knew it, I had about 20 large scale paintings done. 
friend of mine said, hey, you know, if you'd like, I know a place in DC where you can maybe hang them and exhibit them. And so I did, and you know, a bunch of them sold and it was just, you know, such a, a green light for pursuing that aspect of, of being creative. Very interesting. So mentioning your trip to Mexico back in 97, where you spent the whole summer there, could we still find the photos that you took on like an online archive or something similar? So we could take a look at them and compare them to your early work as a painter. Uh, I'd have to look for them. Um, I don't have a presence online with my photos. You know, at first when I opened up a, a Facebook page, you know, I think I did one folder of some photos, but honestly, I think I took the photos in such a different direction that it never even occurred to me to share the images. You know, I, I think I've done some exhibiting with a few of them and, and sold a few of them, but um, I, I definitely need to think about, you know, how maybe to present them now if I were to go back and do that. And, and again, I think it's because as much as I love the images and capturing images, they kind of lost their meaning for me once I started painting because I felt like the paintings, I mean, could capture so much more of the culture. For me, you know, being in Mexico was probably the first time I felt like I was where I belonged. Um, just the appreciation of culture, you know, culture is everywhere. It's not limited, you know, um, to different classes. I mean, here in the United States and in Europe and a lot of other countries, I think the arts are always like, oh, those are for the people with money. But what I discovered, you know, in Mexico and in parts of Central America as well, that um, the art is so much a part of the culture that it just, it doesn't even matter. Everybody enjoys it and appreciates it. Absolutely. And I think that for a possible future project, you could do a multiple medium format project and maybe paint on top of them. I feel that would be an interesting take on it. I'm trying to figure out how I want to pursue my future art, maybe a next step in art. And, and I do like the idea of collage and multimedia. So it would be interesting to do something like that. I, I might see myself maybe ripping them up and using pieces of them differently as part of it. I don't know. But, you know, again, I love the images and they inspired a lot of paintings afterwards. I just need to figure out how I could reutilize them or, you know, even if there is maybe an interest in seeing them. An old meets new world type of thing. I feel it would be absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to see it if you do eventually decide to pull through with it. So when you started painting, was there any artist that you looked up to and tried to imitate their style and their techniques? Because I had never studied painting or anything like that, I, I think my, my biggest goal was to figure out how to paint and how others painted. So, um, you know, as, even though I was jumping, you know, 100% into painting and creating something that I saw in my head, after doing a few paintings, I started to look at the work of a lot of other artists and try to figure out how did they do what they did. You know, Van Gogh, Picasso, you know, of course, coming from Mexico, I was like looking at Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo. And so I did a handful of paintings where I was just trying to, you know, figure out, okay, how do they use their paint? How do they use their brushes? And that was really eye-opening. I, I have to say some of my earlier work had a lot more detail and I did more blending. And eventually that sort of grew into more of a flat stylized appearance. But learning those techniques, you know, and observing other artists work more closely, I, I think that really is maybe a good basis 
for painting for me. Wonderful. You have had expos absolutely everywhere. You know, down in DC. I even went to your show in Manassas, Entre Dos Mundos. Great expo, by the way. And you have also done shows in the Carolinas, California, and even had one in El Salvador. Hell, you even have your own permanent residency down at Miss Pixie's Boutique, down on 14th Street, as well as the fantastic Mexican Salvadorian restaurant, El Tamarindo. So out of all those exhibitions and shows that you have curated, which of those is your favorite show and why? It's almost like having children, you know, you, you like them all or you love them all, but each one is different. You know, for me, there's going to always be a soft spot in my heart for El Tamarindo because that's where I started and did my first exhibit, you know, in D.C. with Miss Pixies. I mean, she's opened her doors and, and let me share my work in her, her boutique for well over 10 years, which has brought me tons of exposure. But, you know, when I think about my work in terms of a collection or an exhibit, I think the exhibit Entre Dos Mundos in Manassas at Art Factory is one of my favorites because I feel like it, it allowed me to capture the different sides of Mexican and Latino culture that I love so much and show them in a way that tied in with Dia de los Muertos as well. So sort of showing the happiness, you know, the joy of life and the energy, as well as what comes after. And that's probably one of the first places I've worked where they welcomed both. Um, a lot of the exhibits I've done, well, let's just focus on, you know, the bright colors, let's just focus on the pop art. and. Um, I liked that I was able to fully explore it and, you know, working with the, the gallery director, Jordan Exum, she really helped me, I guess, put together the narrative for it. And so for me, it was very meaningful because the concept of, you know, living between two worlds, even though I'm adopted and I really don't know where I've come from, I do feel like I'm between two worlds. I'm in the world that my adoptive parents raised me and then the world I want. Or the world I live in now and you know all of my my friends that are you know immigrants or or live maybe two different cultures on a daily they they're always saying you know I feel like I'm between two worlds and so I, I feel like it's it's a message that um, resonates with most people I mean no matter what you're doing in your life there's maybe your expectations of how you should live and then the external expectations or maybe you feel like you are split between you know you know maybe what your family says and what you want uh, it could be a lot of things like that and so i think we're all entre dos mundos and so for that that one really felt like it was really me and gave me a chance to sort of say that about myself glad you had more creative input for the show in art factory you showed a lot of my personal favorite pieces that you have made and also the fact that you implemented a physical aspect into the show was great you had people playing Loteria and eating Pan de Muerto. Very immersive, to say the least. Well, I, I feel like the art and the culture, you know, especially in Mexico, it's it's so intertwined. You can't have one without the other, in my mind. Uh, and I love that they, you know, that gallery embraced it completely. You know, this past year I did something with the Arlington Art Center, which is now called MOCA Arlington. And we did an outdoor altar, which is something I've always wanted to do on their front steps, because they've got like these 18 foot tall 
pillars and stairs. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to build an altar at the top of those stairs? And in the past years, we've done smaller versions and we've always invited people to come and bring pictures and, and mementos for the altar, but people haven't done it. This year, I mean, it was magical. There were, I mean, so many people participated and put pictures on the altar. It was, I have to say, I mean, I looked at it in the daytime and it just looked sort of like, okay, we'll see what it looks like. But then at night when it had the lighting and the candles and everything, it, it became magical. And, you know, it sort of transported me to Pátzcuaro, where, you know, I, I've been for Dia de los Muertos a few times and it was just, it had that energy and it, it just blew my mind. And, you know, afterwards people would come up to me and, and share stories about loved ones. And, you know, I, I think that the community, I mean, both Latino and, and other, really embraced the concept of the event and appreciated it to its fullest. That's wonderful to hear. So now, David, I want you to dream big. Absolutely no limits. Out of all the galleries in the world, where would you like to host one of your future shows and why? I would love to exhibit in Mexico. You know, I've done something in El Salvador and honestly, the process of shipping paintings from one country to another is a nightmare, but I, I would do whatever I needed to do to make that happen. You know, I was fortunate to partner with the Mexican Cultural Institute in DC about a year or so ago when they were opening a learning lab for art and do an exhibit there. And that was sort of one of my bucket lists, let's exhibit there. So that kind of happened. And then, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there's a gallery called Chimaya Gallery in Los Angeles, and they've had the work of Jose Bravo, Yepes, I mean, just so many other amazing Chicano artists, you know, share their work there. And it blew my mind that I had just reached out to that gallery and the owner, and I had a great conversation. I was able to participate in some of their stuff so that, you know, that was another bucket list thing, you know, to be able to work with them. But I, I definitely would love to take my work to Mexico to sort of honor everything that I appreciate about Mexico and, and share that love, you know? Absolutely. And I can't wait to see you in a nearby future showing your work at the greatest galleries of my home country, such as Bellas Artes or El Franz Mayer. Talking about nearby future, any upcoming expositions you're hosting sometime soon? I mean, currently I have some work at the Venn uh, in DC and it, it's a group show called Love Languages. I have a handful of paintings there. It's interesting after last year, actually the last three years, I've probably done six to eight exhibits every year, which has been kind of exhausting. And this year, I, I think it's a bit quieter and I'm hoping to take advantage of that to really think and plan and maybe look into other opportunities outside of the area and, and sort of, you know, just sort of refocus a bit more on what I want next. But, you know, I do have some, you know, pop-up activities going on. Um, I'm going to be carrying out some school projects with members of the Comunidad Latina out there in Chantilly in Virginia. And I've got a few other sort of small projects like that I'm working on. I, I did an exhibit last year with Hector Torres and Jorge Samarano and some other Latino artists in the area. And I think this September we're going to be doing another group show with that. So things always seem to come, but I do also want to be a little bit more mindful full and planned. So almost every year is a little bit quiet from January to March, and then all of a sudden things start happening. So um, we'll see. <laughs> How exciting. I can't wait to catch you at one of them. So back on the matter of art, any mediums that you want to experiment with or ones that you want to get more used to with? 
I really love the mix of acrylic with printing. You know, I, I do some screen printing over top of the acrylic paint as well as some block printing. I think I would like to explore larger screens for that. Like right now, most of my screens are maybe 18 by 24. So I'd like to do some bigger ones or, or perhaps some multi screens. Like usually I paint the different colors first then paint, you know, print black over top. And I think it would be interesting for me to create multiple screens for an image where I screen red first, then maybe yellow, then blue, then black on top. So that's something that, you know, has really caught my, my mind. It will take up more space to do something like that, of course, uh, more materials, but I, I think it's something I'd like to explore. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to see them once they're finished. So based on previous talks I've had with other artists, I see this sort of ritual slash routine that they all do, which is putting a certain genre of music or a specific musician when they get into the studio so they can get in a targeted headspace slash mood. And I want to know, do you listen to any music when you paint? And if so, why and who? I mean, I, I love a lot of, you know, rock in Espanol, um, you know, Jaguares, Maná, um, but I also love, you know, Cartel de Santa, a little bit more of the hip hop stuff. But in the 90s, I was in a band, so I did a lot of alternative music and stuff like that. So I do love a lot of that late 80s rock that has a little bit of a, a goth feel to it sometimes. It's weird. I don't, I'm not sure why, but I'll, I'll put like five or six CDs in the tray. It's one of those old style things of, you know, you got all these CDs, you got to do something with them. And I'll let like the same CDs play just week after week after week. And I don't know why it just doesn't bother me. You know, my roommate or anybody else that happens to stop by will be like, you still got those same old tired CDs playing? It's like, yeah. But you know, the music is definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, being in a band, it's something that definitely shaped a part of me as well as my aesthetic, the way I look at stuff. I mean, album art, painting musicians is always cool to me. But yeah, the, I, I always love to have it in the background. You know, you wake up, I'm, I'm up at like 5, 5.30 every day, turn on the music to start painting and it sort of transports you and it's almost a bit meditative like as you're painting you just have it in the background and you know it's it's a it's a go-to thing you know gotta have that gotta have my coffee two essentials for life right there coffee and music so out of all these albums which one is your favorite and from that album what's your favorite song i mean it it's like exhibits it changes um so much Oof. I don't think I even could name one because, you know, I, I, I think they different groups sort of speak to a different side of me. And um, sometimes I wish my brain was as simple as I only like one thing, you know, but um, I would be hard pressed for that. I mean, Mark Eitzel is a really great songwriter, but, you know, after you listen to him for, you know, um, he was with American Music Club before he went solo, but sometimes you're listening and listening and listening. It's like, okay, I feel everything he's saying, but if I listen to this much longer, I'm going to just go upstairs and go to bed. I guess I'm not going to say I like the music to be a pep talk, but I like the music to sort of pull out what I need to be. And, you know, that's why I, maybe that's, you, maybe you've solved my problem. I've I never understood why I could listen to the same, you know, five CDs for weeks at a time. I think it's when I'm in the studio, that's who I need to be to get stuff done. That gives me the energy. So it's maybe it's just like a routine. I don't know. Well, thank you so much for your time. And now for the final question, any tips or advice for any upcoming artist? Say yes to everything. Listen to what people say and then ignore it. 
maybe. <laughs> I, I think, you know, one thing I've noticed with some other artist friends of mine is, you know, sometimes there's an assumption that the world will come to you looking for your art. And it's not usually that easy. You know, I, I think saying yes to opportunities that may or may not pan out. I mean, if you want, you can make it benefit you. Or you can say, this sucks, why did I waste my time? It's your choice. But I, I've found most of the time, anytime I go somewhere and do something, I meet at least a few people that will either, you know, you know continue to support my work or maybe buy something later or maybe even share ideas with me or other leads. So, you know, I, I think the path to success, whatever it may be for you, it's going to be different for all of us. And it, it's not useful to compare and look and see what other people have, you know, even if you want it yourself, you know, it just doesn't do you any good. And so I think, you know, staying in a positive place, you know, it's a sales world. I mean, it's art business, you know, unless you've got somebody out there to represent you, you have to be both sides. You have to be the creator. And then you also have to be the marketer, salesperson, networker, person that makes things happen. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's the worst part of art in a strange way. I think because I did a lot of retail management and stuff like that. I kind of like that promotion side of it and, and meeting with people and trying to figure out how to make things happen. So, I mean, a lot of people say artists are problem solvers. And, you know, I, I think it's on many different levels. You know, we've got to create opportunities for ourselves as well sometimes. Marvelous final remark. David, thank you so much for your time and for the interview. You have a wonderful night. Thank you. You too. I appreciate it. Take care. Well, what an interview, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it right here, right now. Only at La Hora, La Voz de los Latinos, and interviews that matter. La Vida Amoroso, what a guy. Do yourself a favor and follow him on Instagram at Amoroso Art and stay tuned there for his latest expos. What a joy it is to be back sitting in front of a microphone and recording the show. We have had a strong past two seasons of La Hora the past year on WMLU 91.3 FM. But for this third season and upcoming seasons, I want to bring you better shows with no breaks and have more creative freedom while recording. So expect better guests, higher quality, as well as having La Hora available on your favorite streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, and SoundCloud. On one last note, make sure to follow me on Instagram at ESGBond or at laura.show to keep yourself up to date on upcoming episodes and special guests. This has been DJ Emmy signing off. You have been listening to Laura, La Voz de los Latinos and interviews that make a difference.